Hello, this is Lilydale Radio. I am Tiffany Hopkins, and you are listening to or watching Unknown Unknown. It's, it's Monday, June 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And I'm wondering, how are you? Really, how are you? Taking a moment, take a breath, let that breath exhale. Allow yourself to relax for just a moment, moving your attention from all of the worries and excitements and going ons of your day and your life in the external world and noticing how you feel in the internal self and your internal landscape, how you're feeling physically, emotionally, spiritually and intellectually so i'm doing that as well just taking a moment to be here i'm really excited to be here with you again we only have uh two episodes after this before the lilydale season starts and um the radio shows all go on a hiatus during the season so we only have a few more times meeting this season this pre-season i should say and um yeah, I'm excited to to be here tonight and have the chance to talk to you all. So the first thing I want to say is I hope you're all thinking about coming to Lilydale during season this year. And if you are um, starting to plan a trip or just thinking about it, maybe it won't happen this year, but maybe next year, I just want to say just sort of invite you like come on up um it's a wonderful place yes I'm biased I live here <laughs> but um you know I see uh the magic of the place in a way that a lot of people don't get to because I'm here year-round and it's it really is a special place and depending on what you're looking for um season might be the right time to come summer uh, where we all, you also can come all of the different seasons, even during what's called off season, which is fall, winter, and spring. But season is really special because Lilydale becomes a place where, you know, a bunch of people are coming together, and everybody is under the assumption that normal that talking to the dead is normal. And so this is where my normalized talking to the dead. Uh, concept came from is that I live here and all the time I live in a place where people think no, talking to the dead is normal and the freedom that gives you where you don't have to I don't know preface conversations about it with all this stuff to to make it seem like an okay thing to talk about and you can even talk about it and it's not like it's the only thing we talk about obviously here but it's just nice to have that freedom. And I think everyone who's interested in these things and knows how important they are gets a chance to experience what it's like to be in a social situation where it's very normal. Um, and that's that's the thing that I hope you get when you come up here. Um, the other is that it's very beautiful and the grounds are amazing. I walk, I, I've walked for almost two hours today on the grounds. I have a dog, so... I'm not just walking by myself, but I hope that I would walk by myself too. Um, the grounds are beautiful. So 
we've got old growth forest on one side and lake on the other. And there's actually sort of a marsh um, kind of secret back area as well that um, I went to today with the dog, but the land is really beautiful, especially in the summer, it's very lush and it's quiet. And so if you come, it can be a break from the regular world. It can be a chance to connect with other people who will constantly surprise you. The people you meet here um, are <laughs> a wide swath of people. And there's, you know, the characters you'd kind of guess would show up, but there's also all sorts of surprises and people from all walks of life. And it's it's a very interesting place socially. We have a new coffee shop opening this year called Sacred Grounds, and I'm very excited for that. Um, I also did a, uh, I set up a movie in the park this weekend, and I'm hoping to do some more of those, which is just, you know, we brought out our chairs and I brought my projector out and put a sheet up on the baseball diamond and we, I, we watched X-Files. I don't know what we'll watch next time or if this will be a regular thing, but, you know, there's, there's a lot happening in this little place and um, I hope uh, anybody who's interested gets a chance to come. And if you have questions, feel free to ask. Um, check the web website as well, of course, lilydaleassembly.org. All the goings on are there. And there's a lot of free events. Um, there's also a lot of classes and special events like auditorium events with music or you know big name acts and that kind of stuff there's some really exciting stuff happening this year I know Mitch Horwitz is coming which I'm sort of excited about uh, I suggested him to the planning committee and uh, he agreed to come so that's very cool and there's I know I've talked about it before but uh, Shannon Taggart's Science of Things Spiritual Symposium the last weekend of July is my favorite weekend where all different Shannon brings together all different types of um, people looking into spirituality from it used to be mostly the perspective of science I think and I feel like this year it's a little more on the art side and to me that's very exciting but lots of interesting people come and talk and are here wandering the grounds and so that's also a great weekend but if you want any other tips or have questions feel free to reach out here on Facebook or on Instagram my handle is at unknow-it-all like know-it-all but unknow-it-all and um that brings me to our topic for the evening um the know-it-all slash unknow-it-all um and what I want to talk about tonight is finding things out and I thought this was a great topic given that we just had that Sagittarius uh full moon and it just is like feels like a time of I mean, not even just like right now, this microcosm of like this week, um, but also this time, this period, as in the last few years, I feel like is a time of finding things out and of um, things emerging into a wider air, um, light. <laughs> it's as if, you know, there's like all these things that have been happening forever. I think about the Me Too movement and I think about um, what's happening around racial justice and around our, you know, reproductive rights and queer and trans rights, like all of this stuff has been around forever in this culture. And it's like all of a sudden people 
are talking about it and knowing about it and learning about it and things are changing. And it's as if a lot of things are becoming uncovered. And I think it's really challenging um, because so much is changing so quickly. I find I watch old movies as in like stuff from 10, 15 years ago. And I'm like, wow, that did not age well. I cannot watch this. Like it's so um, backwards in terms of how they're talking about women, for example. Like it's wild how quickly things have emerged where we realize the ways we used to do things and the way we used to talk about people. What did I watch the other day? Oh, Deadwood, <laughs> the TV show. And the portrayal of racial minorities in that show is just like excruciating. Like I cannot believe it was 2003, the script was written, 2004, the show came out and, you know, it's like unwatchable for me. And, and it's crazy that it, we didn't think about it before because it was just as unfair and unkind before but I didn't notice it. I mean, I didn't watch that specific show, but lot, there are tons of examples. And I think all of these changes on what is and isn't okay is, is a lot for some people. It's easier than others. Um, and, you know, this is just a reminder to say to yourself, you know, what has changed for you and what do you notice that's different and what are you okay with that you didn't used to be okay with or vice versa. And, that this enlightening of our culture around how other people feel, how we should treat other people, having respect for everybody, um, and really starting to level the playing field in terms of, you know, what's normal. And, um, you know, we've talked about in terms of race and gender, sexuality, you know, all of these things that have been major movements, but I also brought up in terms of, you know, things like talking to the dead and your spiritual activities um, and, you know, tarot and astrology and witchcraft and all these things are becoming more popular and more uh, appropriate or out, people are coming more out with it. And, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said in terms of how much that your area is changing and that might be something you might be more um aware of is how much more you can talk about your spirituality or religion than maybe you could before and that might not apply to you either but it it's this idea that liberating one group that has been a minority or an oppressed group helps all of us so much and it's so exciting and important that these different groups are being able to come out and live in normalcy, hopefully. Um, and whatever that is, you know, whatever thing that seemed so strange a long time ago, even a few years ago is now maybe beginning to be accepted as normal to me is so exciting. And actually I hadn't planned to talk about any of this. I wanted to talk about finding things out, but this is, you know, what this is our era we're in right now is is finding things out and i wanted to talk about it in terms of research but it's funny this came up and this is something it's really important to me and it touches all of our lives nobody i know that nobody has 
uh, out there not noticing how much things are changing. And I think having these awarenesses of how things feel for other people and a wider acceptance of what is normal is uh, very cool. But on to the topic I'd planned to talk about, which is finding things out. And I meant that in the terms of research and gathering information. So I know I've talked about it on the show that I am um, by trade, basically a researcher. Um, I worked work in what's called mixed methods. So I do quantitative and qualitative research. That means research using numbers is quantitative research, which means gathering data that is at a scale large enough that you can Every piece of data can be quantified, put into a number, and then you can look at big picture things. So for example, if you were, I was looking at a um, water quality report today for my water district, trying to figure out if I had hard water or if I could figure out the exact level of hard water. And you use a quantitative analysis for, for that kind of thing. It gives you the exact parts per million of various contaminants. And that is in technically quantitative data. However, the kind of quantitative data I look to, like to look at is taking that one data point of how much um, calcium chloride is in the water and looking at it over time, for example, so 10 years of data of, uh, you know, collected every, I can't remember how often they collected every few months maybe, or over space. So imagining looking at the variation of that one data point over, you know, all of New York or all of Chautauqua County or all of the United States or all over the world. And so you can see how quickly that data, um, that one number becomes many, many numbers. And in, for example, a water quality uh, report, there are you know, 15 or 20 different um, actual things that are analyzed. And I'm gonna stop before I keep going and say, this does relate to mediumship, just wait. <laughs> um, so if you're wondering what I'm talking about, Give me a minute. I'll get. I'll get to it. I promise. Um, I just want to explain kind of the the foundation here. Um, it, talking about qualitative data is basically data with words. So, um, in that uh, water analysis report, it actually gives you qualitative data, which says, you know, if you just give me a number for the parts per million of calcium carbonate in my water, I actually have no idea what that means, right? I can tell there's a number there and I can tell if it's higher last year or the year before, but unless you give me a qualitative um, piece of data on top of that to say that is within the legal limit, for example, um, I don't actually know whether it's useful. So um, qualitative data is can be a higher level of analysis as in what does that quantitative <laughs> number mean? Um, or it could be different. It could be, I, I actually get most of my qualitative data from interviewing. So um, gathering interview data and using that as data points. So you can imagine you work with it very differently. You can't run analysis with multiplication or for whatever for um, qualitative data. You have to look, search through each piece, each word um, and see, for example, how often people say they like something or they don't like something, that kind of thing. Um, so that's the kind of research I do for work. Oh, my dog just ran into the room, very excited. Um, <clears throat> but that's not all that I look at as 
a person, right? So I find those kinds of um, two sources of information really interesting and uh, inspiring. And that's where a lot of data in our world, like making the world go around, is that kind of information. But I also use information that I get from not quantifiable or uh, not what you would necessarily consider data sources. So that includes um, information from my own body, information from spirit, information from guides, um, animals, you know, you name it, not normal sources of information. And that actually is the basis of the podcast of how interested I am in all of these different places we can find information that are not necessarily um, things you can use for science or for your business, um, but you can use it for making decisions. And what I'm really interested in is how I live my life using qualitative and quantitative data, plus the kind of information I get from myself, from my guides, from ancestors, from spirit, and um, from psychic uh, energy, you know, what does a place feel like to me? You know, what is, um, what do, what am I, what is my reaction to a place when I go to it? So when I'm making a decision, I like to bring together all these types of information. So I want to talk a little bit about how I gather them and how I use them. And before I get into the specifics of each type, I wanted to say that some things you can do with a single type of information, right? Sometimes you just know stuff, right? For example, with your intuition and you're just like, yep, I know this thing. And if you have the ability to trust that it's, it's can be really magical. Sometimes you just see a number like, oh, that gas is that price. I'm going to buy that gas at that gas station. Sometimes you're like, I have a feeling there's going to be a cheaper one. And so you keep driving and then the next gas station, yes, it's cheaper, right? Like there, it, most of the time, I think in life, we use multiple sources of information. Some of them, everybody can see and feel like how far is the next gas station from here? It's exactly 2.3 miles. Um, we can go on Google and search, you know, or, or any of those gas price apps and see how much all the prices are around us and balance how far we want to drive out of our way with saving a certain amount of money. This is very um, analytical and kind of numbers based, right? Or you can just kind of go with your gut. And I generally, most decisions for me, I want to do both. I want to have a little bit of data that is kind of in the external world, like some numbers, maybe something I looked up online, uh, something I've talked to someone else about. And I want to do an assessment internally about how I feel, what my intuition says. Maybe I'll talk with spirits or guides. Maybe I'll get a, a, a vibe or check the energy on a place. Um, and it's funny, I'm talking about buying gas because I don't, I have an electric car, so I don't buy gas at this point. But obviously, I've spent most of my life buying gas. And so, for some reason, that example came up. Um, and, and I guess it's interesting because we don't always think about how much different information comes in for us to make every decision. But this is the kind of thing we're doing every day with everything we do. Another one that's really interesting to me is um, what to eat. 
right? Like for you, how often do you eat based on different sources, right? Like the time of day, when someone else wants to eat, what you have in your fridge. And then what about what you actually want to eat when you're hungry, when you have time to eat? Like there are so many things that go into making that decision and how much of them come from inside of you and how much of them are externally derived. So these are the kind of things that fill my mind. I'm very curious and love to think and talk about. And I want to go through a couple of the different ways I both gather different types of information and synthesize it in making a decision. And I want to preface all this with, this is just my experience. And this might be way too much for many people. You might not be interested in any of of this and don't worry that's fine don't think you need to be if it's not interesting to you um i definitely don't <laughs> don't recommend over analyzing if it's not necessary um and i also want to say that every single decision every time is different and one of the ways we get into trouble i i'll speak from the first person but this is a a human condition not an individual one is like we are very good at uh heuristics which is like mm, rules or having ways to make decisions that allow us to make decisions faster um based on less information and this is how we operate in the world right if we had to go through the process of you know understanding everything we encounter as if it's the first time we've encountered it, you know, we couldn't get through the day. Um, look at, try to get a two-year-old out of the house, right? Um, we know that things get easier as adults and that's because we're bringing in less data to make most of our decisions. But this is also how we get into trouble with some of the things we talked about earlier in terms of stereotyping and categorizing and making assumptions about people or places or things or what we should be doing for ourselves is how we get trapped in old coping mechanisms and things that we don't actually want to do anymore and that's because we've fallen into sort of a rule or um, a habit that we want to change and that's where it behooves us to gather new information and take the time to analyze it and understand maybe there's a new answer for this thing. You know, I have driven this way to work every day for the past 10 years, and I'm just going to drive another way, not because I have any reason other than I want to, right? That's not bringing a whole bunch of data together, but it's an example of something came up. I wanted something. I did the thing, and it changed. It changes everything else. Um, so these are some of the reasons I bring this up, um, you know, I definitely don't recommend doing this for everything you do, um, but, oh yeah, my point was that <laughs> every time you make a decision, you have the opportunity to use whatever data and information, the sources you want to use, and it depends on how much time and energy and space we have, so, you know, there's no rules about this. I'm not suggesting any certain type of decision-making. I'm just giving you some of the ways I collect data in 
from various sources, not just, you know, the, th the thing we think of with data of like numbers in a database. I'm not using the word that way. I think impressions from spirit or my own intuition is data as well. And, you know, how I collect these different types of data and how I use them when I'm going through a decision that I either want to test that I've got the right outcome or I haven't made a decision and I need um, extra information in order to feel comfortable enough to make the decision. So data collection, <laughs> that's step one. Actually, I should take one more step back is deciding you want to collect data is step one and then deciding what you want to collect data about. So. You know, I'm not going to use examples yet. I'll use examples when I get to step three, which is synthesizing the data, which is that's basically turning data into information, right? So like we said with the calcium carbonate thing, just the number isn't that useful, but having a number plus, you know, analysis in terms of, you know, is this the safe level? Is this uh, a legal level? That kind of thing that's sort of getting to the next level, making it useful. So collecting the data, again, some of the sources I use are my own intuition, my feelings, <clears throat> um, my memory and my understanding of, of a place or thing or whatever it is I'm deciding, talking to other people, right? Getting other people's opinions and thoughts, researching on the internet. I'm going to talk about that for a little while because that is a huge source of information for me. Um, and then there's all the uh, different ways you can use psychic information. So this could be um, with spirit. This could be um, checking in on energy of um, people, place, thing, etc. Time, space, whatever it is. Um, and there's kind of it's a little. It's obviously more complicated. But if you are studying mediumship, then you have been developing psychic skills. So you have the ability to tap into that kind of stuff. And my, my whole thing is advocating that, you know, I don't think we should be making all our decisions based on psychic information or our intuition or what spirit tells us. We need to use our discernment to decide, okay, I also looked this up on the internet and talked to four people. And with all of these sources, now I can make a decision. But when I am starting to get some information about uh, a decision I want to make, I'm going to use that as the main example. Um, I will try to start actually internally. So, and I'll check with the four different uh, parts of my being that I most uh, often engage with. And so I will really check in with usually my mind first because it's the most kind of powerful for me is I'll check what am I thinking about this thing and see how many different things my brain has come up with to think about a thing. Uh, sometimes I'll write this down. Sometimes I'll just do this kind of gazing off into the distance or, you know, I do this in quiet time when I'm driving, um, when I have a moment to, when I'm falling asleep, that definitely happens. Um, or I should say in bed, not falling asleep because I'm thinking about this stuff. But very quickly, I try to drop into my heart. And I, I actually move my attention 
physically out of my head and into my body, into my heart, and just notice how I'm feeling about the thing I'm thinking about. And sometimes I have to go back into my head and think about it for a while, but then I, again, drop my attention into my heart and notice how I'm, I'm feeling. And the thing I've found with making decisions especially um, is that I can't gather all the information at one time. I have to actually um, engage with data collection, <laughs> internal data collection over time. And what that looks like is, for example, when the thing comes up and I'm going about my business, remembering not just to think about it, but to check in with my body, to check in with my heart when things come up. And this is because I don't, I find the information from my body is especially most useful around emotions, especially if I can catch it in the moment it arises and not try to mm, ask it to arise. So I'll get a more real answer if I happen to be, you know, out and about and the thing comes up. And that that's when instead of just thinking, oh, yeah, I need to make a decision about that. I say, what am I feeling about the decision right now? What what's what's the thing that that um, brought it to my attention and how am I feeling? So I really try to check on it in the moment. And that's why a lot of times you can't just I can't just make a decision right away with things. Um, I need quite a bit of time. To kind of collect that data um, on what my I'm feeling especially thinking is a different thing for me thinking I can sit and think through a thing and if it's there's a clear answer that's great um, but I don't actually trust my mind to have the best answer um, I I really appreciate my body and my heart's answer quite a bit um, so in those I feel like I can't have on demand I'll check I'll try but I really have to go through life and have the circumstance arise and then check in with the feelings and see what my body and heart are saying on the mind side you know what my mind has in it isn't necessarily going to be enough information um, for some reason the example I keep thinking about is moving so I've done a lot of moving in my life and I remember when I moved I was living in, in Berlin and I was looking to move back into the United States and I was trying to decide what city to live in. And I just, I really wanted to live in the US. I really wanted to come home. I missed it here. Um, it was a very heart led decision, but at that time I wasn't super connected with my body. Um, and so I wasn't using this kind of decision-making I'm talking about. What I did is very analytical, <laughs> Uh, data collection for that move. So what I did is I went online and I researched um, the best the weather uh, across a, a handful of cities, um, restaurants and the food scene across a few different cities, housing prices um, across a few different cities. So I picked the cities I was interested in. These were um, where was it? I mean. I know my, where I ended up was Oakland because it had the best weather, the most diverse um, food scene and the best housing prices. I also had always wanted to live in the Bay Area and assumed I would. So the internal part was I always, growing up, I always assumed I'd live in San Francisco when I was an adult because 
when I was a teenager, we lived a few hours away and I used to go visit a lot and I loved San Francisco. So my heart was telling me San Francisco. My mind confirmed that by researching some data about um, whether house price, housing prices or rental prices um, and diversity and food avail like restaurant availability. And so when you need, you know, that kind of decision is a big decision. Um, I talked to lots of people about it too. I can't really remember what anybody said, um, but I tend to make those kinds of decisions sort of on my own based on those two things, what I want and what I learn about places that will support, you know, my answer. So that one is specifically, instead of moving to San Francisco, I moved to Oakland because the weather was better than the housing prices were better. Um, and so doing, getting, you know, sometimes if you're trying to make a decision, and I don't know for me, if I'm really anxious about it, it will help me feel better if I start to gather uh, just regular old intellectual mind, mind food, I call it. So I usually do this online. So I will start to research the questions I have about a place. And a lot of times, if you start looking at stuff online, where do you start? Um, you know, your search engine, but where does it get you to first is going to be a place like Wikipedia. Um, that's what I find anyways, or websites with lots of information on them that's been gathered by others. And there's just a few things I want to say about if you're gathering information to make a decision online. <clears throat> is one, if the website has lots and lots of ads on it, it's not going to provide you useful information. And I say that because if there's lots and lots of ads, they're making money off the ads, which is totally fine. It's a great way to make money on a website. But in general, the reason they're not making money off the content and they have to make money off the ads is because they're not really making their own content. So usually it isn't information that is from the direct source. Um, and so that means they got the information from somewhere else. And so if you find yourself on one of those websites, usually you can look on there and figure out where the source was. So if you read around, you should be able to find either a footnote or um, a link that shows you the original report. And you want to go to, this is true on Wikipedia too, there aren't ads on there, but I, you know, if you read the information, you want to look at the source of where the information came from, because if you just look at what someone else tells you about information, um, you're not getting, you're getting their analysis and you're not getting the source, um, which might be different because when you get analysis, they have a reason that they're putting information, they're analyzing information for a reason. And so they're going to have a different look at it than you will. This isn't always the case, but I find it's very helpful to actually look at the underlying data instead of the analysis. Um, and this takes time, right? Again, making these sort of big decisions um, takes takes a lot of time. But for example, in the the weather, I remember looking at Wikipedia and it shows, you know, what what the weather looks like there, but that's actually not that useful unless you have a bunch of different places to compare it to, including, for example, one you are very familiar with to know what the weather is actually feeling like so that you can then look at those numbers and say, yeah, that's something I like. So again, just reading on Wikipedia that has a great climate doesn't actually mean 
much to me. I want to know what that great climate means. What are the average highs and lows? How often does it rain, etc. I ended up leaving California because it didn't rain enough. It was too dry for me. So, you know, um, we all know how to gather this sort of uh, information, intellectual information. And, you know, the internet and, and again, getting to those sources as much as you can, looking at where an information comes from, looking at that original source, trying to stay on original source documents, which won't have ads on them, right? Like research, um, people's firsthand accounts, these kinds of things are, are generally without um, ads or otherwise, uh, you know. Analysis, and that doesn't mean it's perfect and unbiased. It just means you get to make the decision from the actual data. So, you know, the intellectual side, I think, for most people, is is easier. Um, it also really helps, you know, getting into my uh, actual, you know, day job is I do a lot of interviewing, and so we do subject matter experts and. This may be appropriate for you and sometimes not just talking to anybody about something, but finding an expert and, you know, that could be submitting a question to an expert online or finding somebody you can make a phone call to, um, finding just somebody you know in your circles who's an expert on the thing. Um, and we use what's called analogous um, research as well which is, so say I wanna, um, what's a good example? Sometimes you might not wanna look directly at the thing you're talking about. You might want to actually look at something similar. So um, the moving example isn't gonna work in this case. What's another major decision? Um, I'm gonna come back to it because what this is sort of leading us into is you might want to talk to real live humans, um, but this example of analogous um, experience actually works really well for working in the spirit realm. So I can't think of a real world example that's outside of my job, but in the spirit realm, this is very appropriate and you'll see why. So if you got all your mind stuff figured out, then you can start to move into um, kind of the spirit side of your data collection and you know you might want to start with instinct um, which is hard to really separate from the body and the heart but with with time and you can kind of learn to to separate out what your heart is telling you what your body is telling you what your spirit is telling you um, and again for me that takes quiet time and that is a luxury and not easy to come by. Slow, quiet time, right? And meditation also is a great fuel for this kind of thing. It's like I said earlier, the kind of spirit side of my answers or my data collection, starting with my own spirit, I'll get to spirit realm in a minute. But um, that can't be directly queried it's not like google where i can just like search it right like i can ask but it's not going to always give me a direct answer sometimes it comes when you're least expecting it and that can be frustrating but it's also just for me how it works and you know 
giving myself the time and space I need to not get frustrated because I'm not getting an answer in terms of what my like soul really wants. Um, because it, you know, sometimes it has to be re revealed to me and sometimes I need to collect external data so that I can understand the answer my soul or spirit is actually telling me. So I do really try to start with my internal world and my own soul, but sometimes you want to check in like with those, uh, like I talked about earlier, subject matter experts, or just others who know you and love you, who might be in spirit. And, you know, with anything else, I want to say this again, don't take all of your advice from a spirit. Don't go around. I think the worst thing you can go around saying is a spirit told me to do something. It is going to discredit you completely. You need to have a more full understanding. Imagine if you went around doing things and saying a person told you that spirit is a person, right? So, you know, or was a person. Um, so, you know, have have some credibility with yourself and don't give all your decisions to other people to make. But that doesn't mean don't talk to your spirit guides, your ancestors, um, the loved ones you have in spirit and ask them about what you're up to and get what they think and their ideas on what to research. And this is where that analogous um, experience comes in is because especially if you're talking with your ancestors and it's a modern question you have, they're not going to have direct experience. They won't be a subject matter expert on what, you know, cities are like right now if you're trying to move, <laughs> but, or what computer to buy, that kind of thing. But they're going to have experience making decisions, right? And they're going to have experience with things that, that might give you a different perspective. And that's where talking to anybody living or dead, of course, is so important is because if we go through this whole process of collecting data all by ourselves, you know, it doesn't mean we're not going to get a good outcome, but it, it's all looking through one lens. And that's where talking to other people, both about the data we found, so getting help with analysis from them, <clears throat> but also gathering data from them. So asking them questions, people living or dead, <clears throat> to find other ways of looking at things, other sources of information that we might not have thought about, other ways of looking at the data we have collected. And that's where, you know, spending that time, again, you need quiet time um, in meditation and calling in whoever it is you want to talk to and asking them what they think. And, you know, if you have a hard time receiving direct answers back um, internally, you can do this uh, in writing, uh, or in, I find it very fun to do, uh, in recording. So you can do this in writing or recording where you pick the person in spirit or guide, you know, whoever it might be that you want to talk with and you actually, you know, check with them. Will you talk with me about this thing? And you can do that again. So if you're doing it in writing, write, type, whatever it is, both what you're saying and their answers. And if you're doing it with recording, do the same thing. So you can say, you know, hi, grandma, it's 
you know, I've been thinking a lot about you and I have this thing I'm working on. And I was wondering if you can help me make a decision and then share what, you know, wait for the response. And this isn't for everybody, but I find this a very helpful tool. Um, say their response or write their writing their response is more normal, right? Lots of people are used to doing this is sort of getting into automatic writing, but actually voice recording for me is a little easier. And, you know, it might not be old school, normal mediumship, but you're, what you're trying to do is channel and bring through, um, you know, that loved one and you're doing it in voice out loud. And so again, I would like to record it into my memos app and, um, speak the response and it's going to start out a lot of you responding. Right. But over time you'll find, um, as you get the conversation deeper and deeper that, uh, you're starting to say things you wouldn't anticipate saying or you didn't think you were going to say. And it it can be a really uh, interesting way to connect with those who um, yeah, are no longer with us. And, you know, it gets boring just to have it all inside your head all the time, right? Like it's it becomes hard to discern what's you and what's them. And sometimes it can be a little easier to sort of you know, you're a little bit acting it out at first um, when you're doing it verbally and it helps you get into it. But it, for me, it's a more embodied act than just having conversations, you know, in my mind. So I really like it. Try it out if you're interested. You can also go writing. It's a little more, um, a little more normal perhaps, but you might be surprised. You could also do, it doesn't have to be with the spirit of someone's dead. It could be with you in the future after you've made the decision, right? That kind of stuff is very fun too. Or like if you believe in this kind of thing, your higher self or your, you know, whatever, you can pick another version of yourself and have the same conversation. Again, for some reason, I like doing it in voice memo. It's embodied. Um, I have little voices. I do different voices for the different people. And um, I'm not saying this is like a trance exercise, although you could do it in trance too. Um, but it's, it's really fun. Um, and I find it surprising. So that's a way to connect and with like experts or outside opinions when you're kind of working on the more, you know, gathering your spiritual data. And the last part I want to talk about is, um, gathering psychic data. So this is kind of non-sensory energy information. Uh, this is particularly appropriate when you're thinking about places or people or situations um, like trying to decide of taking a job and um, finding things or other triggers like a website for a company you're applying to are going to the place that the you know and feeling the energy of the place and again feeling the energy when you look through their website um you know, you can also talk to people who used to work there, sure. Um, but this gathering the psychic data is just another level that is allowing yourself to perceive whatever could possibly come up. And it it's also sort of a quiet activity. You need to be in a bit of a meditative state in order to receive the information. Um, and if you have physical objects from the place, for example, if you're trying to decide if you want to move to 
LA or New York, you could have a thing from each place. You could look at a picture of each place and allow yourself to receive sort of the psychic um, energy. I also, with places, uh, I'm really big on moving my energy to the place. So I'll kind of imagine myself in the place, imagine myself walking around, feeling the energy there, and then go to the other place and and just use that as another source of information on, you know, what do you feel when you're in that place? How does it look and how does how does it make you, again, how does it make you feel when you're in that place? Are you creeped out? Okay, that's useful information, you know. Um, <laughs> we do this, uh, I'm thinking about dating apps, like and you're looking at pictures and you're swiping through and yes, we're reading and we're looking and we're, you know, but you can also do it energetically and how do you, you can have your eyes closed and like go through the app and feel the people and which ones feel right to you. Um, and, you know, so that is what I mean by psychic information. So it's not, um, there's not a lot of words for it, right? And it's it's really, what it really is, is using your internal senses and your your feelings and your intuition, but having an external stimulus to kind of bring you that information. Um, you know, that's that's really, if we want to, get down the nuts and bolts that's what we're talking about all right that was a lot longer than I anticipated talking about this and I could probably go on forever but I'm going to stop now because um this ended up way longer than I anticipated and I don't know maybe I'll do some examples or in another episode drop me a line if if this is interesting, or if you have questions, or you want me to go through some of this again. Um, it was a wild and rambling ride. I appreciate you so much for being here, and I will see you next week. Thank you.